This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Well, hello in the room, and uh, hello if you are online. Have you ever tried to check in somewhere and then accidentally given money to something? Uh, that, could, that could happen, not a bad outcome. Um, QR codes have really, have really... I remember I was actually quite into QR codes quite a number of years ago. I thought they were very cool. I tried to use them in some youth work contexts, and I was too early. I was ahead of the curve, but now they are like... It's the time of the QR code. Anyway... That has nothing to do with Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve. Um, I'm going to read from the first chapter of the book of Matthew. You are welcome to follow along if you want. Otherwise, you can just listen along. Um, Matthew starts with a very long genealogy. I won't start with the genealogy just because I'd like to keep your attention for at least two minutes. Um, So we're going to jump in at verse 18, but we are going to talk about that little genealogy in a little while. So this is how, how we go from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to start tonight by just talking for a moment about waiting. This year in New South Wales on the Central Coast, we spent 106 days in lockdown. You may remember it. Uh, Still relatively small compared to our friends in Melbourne who have spent 267 days locked down during this whole pandemic. But 106 days felt like a pretty long time, didn't it? And one of the most difficult aspects of that period of time was the uncertainty What began as a two-week lockdown was extended and then it was extended again and then you sort of start to go, well, nothing means anything anymore. Who knows when this is going to end? You kind of entered a bit of a grey zone and uh, we found ourselves in an indefinite period of waiting, which is psychologically very different to knowing there's kind of an end point uh, we can look forward to. I recently went on some long car trips with my family. Uh, About six weeks ago, we drove to Deneliquin, home of the world's biggest ute muster. I would never go for that. We were actually uh, actually there for my grandfather's funeral. Um, But it's an eight and a half hour drive from the central coast, which is a a pretty, it's double the time if you have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And then it's double the time again if you have to listen to the My Little Pony soundtrack for half of the drive. Um, But... We knew how long it was. And so mentally, every hour as the GPS kind of knocks one off, I feel like when I'm driving, you look at the GPS time and when it goes from like five hours and one minute to four hours and 58 minutes or something, you feel like, I just did two hours of driving. Like, it feels like a huge achievement. Imagine going on like a a road trip where you just, you didn't know how long it was going to be, an indefinite, we might be driving for four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, two weeks, who knows. 
it would stretch out into forever. My best mate flew overseas at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, his partner is from Sweden and was living in Norway, and so he flew over to be over there. And uh, they have tried to return many times since then. It's very sad, actually. His, his mother passed away while he's been over there, and they've had 10 rejected attempts to come back. And I just imagine, you know, filling out that long application form each time and wondering, you know, is it going to be any different this time? He actually just texted me this morning and they can finally come back to Australia, which is wonderful, but they've had a lot of indefinite waiting. I've thought this year during some of these situations about the experience of refugees in indefinite detention, waiting without hope, waiting without any sense of what date to look forward to or if there is going to be a date to look forward to. And we know that this leads to tragic and inhumane outcomes. Waiting without hope is a dangerous place to be. I've thought a lot this year about our First Nations peoples. I've thought about how long they have had to wait for recognition, for truth-telling, for justice, for deep listening. I've thought a lot about the earth beneath our feet, about this one precious created planet that we live on groaning under the weight pollution and exploitation and I've wondered how long the planet is able to wait for us to change our ways waiting 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 I've been thinking a lot about waiting perhaps this sense of waiting has never felt more relevant than in our lives anyway this time in history we live in which kind of feels like we're constantly waiting for something to change is this COVID thing going to become manageable at some point are things going to be stable again? Will there come a time when we don't have to worry about our plans being interrupted and disrupted? How long will the ground feel kind of shaky beneath our feet? Waiting is a major part of life, but there are different kinds of waiting, aren't there? Tonight is Christmas Eve. It is a night that is, is rich with anticipation. Uh, it's the end of the season of Advent, and Advent is a time in which the church calendar kind of waits, waits to celebrate the coming Christ. And, and this is a different kind of waiting. You know, Christmas night is filled with that longing to hang up the stockings and wait for Father Christmas to come overnight. Uh, you know, waiting for that moment where you can wake up and open your presents, or if you had a childhood like mine, waiting for the Sunday service to be over so you could get home and unwrap your presents, which really meant that you had absolutely no interest in the Sunday service, so I don't know what it achieved. There is the waiting for spring after winter, the waiting for those first days of warmer weather. I grew up in Canberra, it meant a lot more then than here on the coast, so it's not really much of a winter here. Uh, but waiting for buds to bloom, waiting for the flowers to change, waiting for seeds to grow, waiting for fruit to be ready to pick, waiting for mangoes to be in season. There's the waiting for a next chapter in life, waiting for starting university after finishing school maybe, or waiting to get married after getting engaged, or waiting to start a new job after you've had your kind of offer accepted. There are these kinds of waiting, or the, the six weeks we had to wait, you know, the cooling off period. We bought our first home this year, which was a miracle. Uh, and then there's that kind of long waiting period, like, is everything going to go ahead? Um, but these forms of waiting, they're quite different to the first things I named, right? They're kind of uh, 
not passive. They're waiting in which there is kind of active preparatory work and excitement and longing. Waiting for a holiday you've booked in, waiting out the back for a perfect wave to catch, waiting for Ted Lasso season three. It's the biggest thing I'm waiting for in life right now. Sometimes waiting is an experience characterized by anxiety, uncertainty, perhaps even dread. And sometimes waiting is an experience rich with hope and anticipation and excitement and a kind of active preparation. And sometimes, no doubt, it is a mix. Well, the Christmas story is a story filled with waiting. Uh, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And in between the historical events recorded in these two books, there's a period of time that's kind of technically referred to as the intertestamental period, which is a, a period of 400 years. It's 400 years where there's kind of no recorded inspired writings or, or prophets that we know of. It's sometimes referred to as the 400 years of silence, a time of waiting a time when God's people would have been asking the question, when is God going to do something? Which after a while might have become the question, is God going to do something? And then Matthew's gospel opens with this list of long names that you really can't be blamed for skipping over. And thankfully, he gives a summary sentence at the end. In verse 17, it says, Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. You don't need to be great at maths to know that that's a lot of generations. And in many ways, the point that Matthew is making is that this thing that started with Abraham 42 generations ago has been fulfilled in this story that he's about to start telling about Jesus, saying what we've waited for this whole time has arrived. Now, 42 generations, that's kind of like the bird's eye view, macro level waiting. But this story also has a much more intimate form of waiting as Mary is pregnant and waits, you know, that nine months for this baby to come. Mary's belly grows, pregnancy advances. There are physical signs that something is happening. She experiences, I think, one of the most profound forms of waiting that humans can experience, that waiting for a new life. It's an active, tangible waiting. You know, the body is changing. There are kicks in the tummy. There are Braxton Hicks as the body prepares for labor and birth. And anyone who has been pregnant or who has been in the vicinity of a pregnancy uh, will know that nine months can go pretty fast and then a few days at the end can take 100 years. Um, but for Mary, this, this waiting is characterized by a deep hope, not just to hold her baby, which, of course, she would have felt that hope, but despite the incessant questioning in the Christmas banger, Mary, did you know? Mary believed that this child was not just good news for her, but for the world. Did you get my little joke there? She knew. As her Magnificat, her song, which is recorded in the book of Luke, reveals... Mary believed that in Jesus there would be the fulfillment of all of these larger realities that her people had been waiting for, that, that justice was coming, that restoration was coming, that wholeness was coming, 
that there would be the uplifting of the humble, the humbling of the proud, the promise that God would make all things right. So there's this nine months of waiting, which kind of caps off this 42 generation story of waiting. And then there is this birth moment. Though when we talk about birth, we should think about the labor. Mary engages in this like sacred work, the kind that got all of us here in the room, the body working and giving itself to this task of delivering a new human being into the world. And even in a stable, even amongst animals, even when nothing is going to plan, it is such a glorious, sacred, beautiful work that God has made the the body to do. I've been a witness to this process twice and a more active participant once, though I can't really remember that time. And one thing I have learned about when human beings are born is that nothing brings you to the present moment like those first moments when a new human being enters into the world. In that moment, you are not checking Facebook or Instagram, I hope. You are not thinking about unanswered emails or unpaid bills or anything outside of the walls of the room that you are in. Perhaps this is not everyone's experience, but in my own, the first moments of meeting my children were some of the most grounding, present moments of my life. I just wanted to hang in that moment. I was fully there. It's like the waiting is over at that point and and you are here and, and this child is here and everything else is background noise. So have that image in your mind and think about Jesus in that space after birth here everyone fully present to that this one who would be called Emmanuel which means God with us this is a present tense phrase create a God in human skin and bones with us I've been thinking a lot about this idea we call the incarnation it's this big word we use to describe God you know, the very ground of being, the creator of all things, entering into a particular moment in time and space in a human body with all that entails. You know, Jesus, this baby, he's disrupting Mary's sleep patterns to breastfeed. He can't smile before he's like six weeks old. He has to learn how to form words in his mouth. This is God. It's just crazy to think about, right? Um, Jesus the baby, the child, the teenager, the man, this idea that God enters the human story in skin and bone. The incarnation dignifies the human body. It communicates that the human neighborhood, that the places that you and I live are the places where the sacred chooses to dwell. The incarnation is a big yes to the messy, muddy, fleshy reality of our lives here on planet Earth. And in Christ, in Jesus, we have divine presence. God's presence is embodied in the neighborhood. And just like there are different types of waiting, there are different types of presence, aren't there? Like we can be physically present somewhere and emotionally or mentally somewhere else. I don't really know if you're here with me right now. You may be daydreaming or thinking about something or stressing about something these days we can also be digitally present 
without being physically present. Um, we have all kinds of ways to kind of split our way, ourselves in half, don't we? Sometimes I think our phones, they're like gateways to whole other worlds, but they're exit ramps from the place where we actually are. This year, many of us will have spent countless hours on Zoom calls, FaceTime, Skype, Microsoft Teams, if you're unlucky. Um, the online space is increasingly where so much of our lives take place. And that has obviously been an enormous kind of lifesaver during this pandemic. And I'm grateful for what those tools enable. And I'm very grateful when I hear my friends uh, who have disabilities talk about how they have opened up you know, opportunities um, to access spaces they couldn't previously. So there is all of that. But all of this digital space that we hang out in, it kind of raises questions about what being human is going to look like in the future. Recently, Facebook changed their name to Meta. And uh, they're branding themselves as the pioneers of something called the Metaverse. You may have heard about this, but if you haven't, basically, um, the Metaverse is this online space we're all going to hang out in in the future. We've got our virtual reality gear. Put that on. You can go into, you know, your friend's house or you can go and work in a summer space together, explore virtual worlds. You know, it's all very, sounds very exciting and, and you know, sort of also scary and like every sci-fi movie that has a terrible ending that we've seen. Um, but the metaverse is kind of the opposite of the incarnation. It's like the excarnation. The Gospel of John says the Word became flesh, the Word Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelled among us. The Gospel of Mark Zuckerberg says the flesh be, will, be, will become pixels and dwell in cyberspace. Now, I'm not here tonight to, you know, give you a like, lecture about technology or talk about dystopian sci-fi futures, but I feel very strongly tonight that I believe it is still very good news that Emmanuel, God with us, is about physical bodies, is about this aching planet that we can't just run away from into some digital space. And wherever you are tonight, whether you are in this room or whether you are watching in another room, I want to say to you that being in your body is a good thing. So is your street that you live in. So is your neighbourhood. And this story, this incarnation story of God moving into a body in a neighbourhood affirms who we are and the places we live and that God actually wants to dwell there, wants to do something there. The message of the gospel is not an evacuation. It's not an escape plan. It is God's full entry into the chaos of human life on earth and a reminder that God's presence is with us here. Christ comes, affirms the value in human flesh and invites us to be present and embodied here and now. Now, Christian faith is full of paradox. Almighty creator, vulnerable baby. Find your life by giving it away. Resurrection is on the other side of death. You get it. Here is one paradox that I believe we are invited into. Hopeful waiting and embodied presence. I guess this is the heart. If you're just going to remember anything from tonight, I want to invite you into hopeful waiting and embodied presence here and now.
we are here. We are now. This moment in human history that we happen to inhabit, imperfect as it may be, riddled with anxiety as it may be, this is the one that we have and the one that we are invited to see God with us in. The wonder and incarnation, the wonder of the incarnation draws us to affirm this moment right here, even though it might seem like one we want to escape from. And yet, we also engage in this ongoing act of waiting, yearning, hoping for something beyond this moment. Uh, Father Richard Raw, Franciscan priest, he talks about Advent as a time where we recognise that Christ has come, Christ continues to come, and Christ will come again. This idea that God is ever entering the human story, engaging in the work of restoration and renewal and reconciliation. There are different ways to wait, and there are different forms of presence. We can wait anxiously, despairingly, apathetically, passively, feeling like we're maybe in 400 years of silence or something like that. We can lose our presence to distraction upon distraction upon distraction, to worry, to endless ruminating upon the past or the future. The 2021 word for this combination of these two things, losing our presence and waiting with anxiety, I think the 2021 word for it is languishing. You may have heard people talk about this, that we've all found ourselves languishing this year, kind of drifting in a slow and distracted, numb sense of despair. The alternative is that we can wait with hope. We can wait in active, participatory ways that partner with Christ's kingdom coming on earth, right where we are, in our body, in our neighbourhood, in our street. We can wait while participating in radical love that demonstrates the love that we have received in Christ. And that kind of waiting and hoping, I think, actually often leads to a very full and deep presence where you are, being fully with each other in our suffering and our disappointments and our joys and our triumphs, to be present with each other, listening deeply, showing up fully. I think this is one of the ways that we can most imitate Christ in our lives that we can continue to participate in what happens in this incarnation of Jesus. So tonight, on Christmas Eve, we're all waiting. What are you waiting for? Is it for Christmas morning? Is it for 2022 and the magical land that it may offer us, just like 2021 was supposed to? Uh, is it for, you know, more data about Omicron? Is it for, a, you know a time when all of this feels a bit more stable, what are you waiting for? When do you feel like things will kind of get better? Just as the Israelites waited for their coming Messiah, we continue to wait for Christ's ever coming, for, for restoration, for peace on earth and mercy mild, for wholeness, for shalom, for the kingdom of God fully realised. We wait. Much of our lives are characterised by waiting it can be anxious and uncertain, or it can be hopeful and peaceful. And I want to let you know tonight that maybe the difference between those two is found in 
this good news of God with us. Emmanuel. How do we wait with hope? How do we be present and embodied where we are? I believe we do that by grounding ourselves in the presence and the love of Christ. May you do that tonight. May you do it tomorrow. May you do it again and again, whatever 2022 holds, whatever disappointments may be ahead. May we continue to ground ourselves in the presence and love of Christ, being fully embodied and hopefully waiting. Would you join me as much as you can in trying to just bring yourself fully to this moment and let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this Christmas story, which is very familiar but never old. It always has life to speak to us, I believe. This extraordinary story of the divine, of you, God, entering into uh, human skin and bone and mud and mess. And we just thank you for this story. And I pray that you would help us to not be languishing, to not be despairing, to not be lost in the anxiety of the moment, but to be fully here with our suffering, with our disappointments, with each other, wherever we are. I pray that you would teach us to be fully here and to also wait with hope and expectation and anticipation of your coming and your love and your restoration. Help us to live lives grounded in that, that that would be our, our message this Christmas and uh, into the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.com. Dot info.